What's going on, all you flockers out there? I'm going to use that now, Rob, in the intro every single time. I'm inspired That's right. by you. Yep. All right. Uh, this is... This- this is Talking Flock, a full Mingo podcast, talking everything forward Madison FC. My name is Jeremy Rushing, and I've already kind of introduced him this week. It's Rob Chapel from Madison 365. Rob, how you doing? All right. Doing okay. Hey, you know what? <laughs> it's, it's, it's baby steps. It's, you know, yep. we're, we're relative to nil-nil, one-one draws. I think mm-hmm. we'll take a 3-2 loss. To be honest, that's what we have to talk about. Today. They, but, they they hung a crooked number. That's what we've been asking for for how long? The entire season. It's been yeah. But in other uh, uh, we have an interview a little bit on the show with Noah Canlis. Uh, he's a production intern with Forward Madison. Caught a really nice shot of Josiah Trimingham's opening goal in the Henny uh, Derby match on Saturday. So. Um, really cool to uh, get a behind the camera look, I guess, if you will. Uh, with so that's coming up later on. Uh, subscribe podcast if you have not on your preferred podcast and fly wherever you get your podcasts, and then also leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't yet. All right, so uh, kind of similar to last week, Rob. Uh, another loss, yeah. nobody really hear about when their team loses, so. <laughs> right. Uh, much like last week, we'll try to keep this short so we can kind of the forward to Noah because I'm sure that's more people are going to be hearing about. Yep. It's our duty as most of this illustrious to talk about them. And unfortunately, we're talking about loss, but as you mentioned, it was a little bit more exciting. There were two from forward Madison. Yep. The problem is they <laughs> gave up to Riddick. Yeah. Uh, but really, I would say we both being of the season for the main design? Uh, yes. I, to me, it was the most fun loss of the season. And I said it to, I said that on Twitter, our good friend, friend of the show, Kyle Carr, uh, respectfully disagreed <laughs> that it was any, any level of fun at all. Yeah. Uh, but it was, I, what I liked about it, and it was what I could also say about the previous game at New England, that it was fun to watch. Like the, the, the team played in a way that was very fun to <clears throat> cheer for. And, and they played with a lot of heart and a lot of um, grit and uh, they played a very direct style. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we like to see, um, you know, it didn't turn out the way we wanted to in the end, but it was, it was fun to watch. That's, and that's what you want as a sports fan. You just want a fun game to watch. Right. Um, yeah. it, it's more fun when you win when your team wins, but a fun game to watch is a step in the right direction <laughs> over the past few weeks, to be honest. That's right? honestly what we were calling for, right? I yeah. would much rather take a three, two loss than a nil, nil one, one draw, which we yes. had so many, how many of those this season, Rob? I yep. mean, it's been crazy. Way too many. So our three, two loss, honestly, to, to me is an upgrade from that. And yeah. especially with the playoff hopes already being very, very slim, highly, highly unlikely, you know, yeah. the, it, it, even even with a win, what does that really get you in the long run? Just provide an entertaining product on the field and yep. score a couple goals and give yourself a chance. That's all we're exactly. really asking for. And that's yep. honestly what Ford Madison did on Saturday. Unfortunately, yeah, they came up short, but they were aggressive. And that's really they what were. we were calling for. Yep. Now, first, let's acknowledge that Carl Craig obviously listens to this podcast, but doesn't want to make it too obvious that he's taking advice from a couple of podcasters 
because he did make one of the two lineup changes we suggested last week. He did. Right. We said we said we should he should you know give the you know Tchaikovsky and Keegan were looking frustrated and just give them the night off, start Fusan and Trimmingham. He started Trimmingham. Uh and it paid off. Yes. Right away. It uh, did. I mean eighth minute. Eighth that minute. Was, you know, and that's honestly I, I love Trimmingham in the nine because mm-hmm. he just brings this sort of like physicality that no yeah. other you, you don't find at that level in league one there are defenders that can match that kind of physicality in the usl championship and obviously in mls mm-hmm. but league one hasn't really kind of caught up to that so that's where a guy like Trimingham can really really eat is using well, his body and using his physicality to take on honestly what are across the board in league one much smaller defenders that yeah. he can really you know just have his way against and that's what we saw and you know it, and Sierkowski has his height Zierkowski's tall. He's like what is it, like six three or something? Um, but but hasn't doesn't use his physical presence quite the way Trimingham does. Yeah. Uh, because he's not quite as beefy, you know. <laughs> they call him yeah. they call Trimingham tank for a reason. And but he did he actually used the, that size in this goal. I mean, he gets a really nice forward pass from Eric Leonard in the midfield. Um a little bit a little bit behind the center line. Eric gets the ball with plenty of space, puts a nice ball forward. Derek Ebhard. Does a nice job leaving it. Mm. He very smart of him to let that run through to Trimingham. Uh, <clears throat> Trimingham's got Magalis, Evan Magalis, right on his back, and just shrugs him off, right, and makes a very nice turn, and shows a surprising amount of pace for a big guy. That's so that to me was like the most impressive part. Now, obviously, obviously holding yeah. off the defenders one thing, but you kind of expect that from Trimingham. But he is he is increasing the distance between himself yeah. and the defender as he is yeah. going towards goal. I was, I was shocked. I was baffled. I was like, John, the floor, I was watching it Sunday morning. Uh, kind of got up early so I could rewatch the match. Cause it was at the same uh-huh. time as the loons game on Saturday night, which is how all these uh-huh. games seem to go. But yeah, uh, I was just like, John, the floor with my coffee in my hand, just like, Holy cow, this dude can like, he was outrunning the defender, which is crazy. Yeah, and and you you saw you could see it in Noah's video more than even the ESPN video. But Magalas had his hand on Jariah's shoulder and was trying to pull him back. It was like, yeah. come back, please come back, and was just beaten. <laughs> and you know, not a lot to break down here. We we joked about you know, we're gonna the, the next time Madison scores, we're gonna analyze it for the thirty seven minutes. But he didn't give us much to analyze. He was not going anywhere but goal. Like I didn't see any sense that he looked up to see if there was a pass there or not. He's like, I'm, I've got it. I'm going. I'm scoring, and he yeah. did. <laughs> Just a, a rocket. Beautiful finish too. Yeah, a beautiful finish. I mean, it, it had. It, I mean, it was it was going about a thousand miles an hour. It was nearly bar down. I mean, that's the perfect yeah. shot in that situation uh-huh. uh, to put the Mingos up. Just an overall impressive goal from the reception of the pass to the run to the pace that he had towards goal, and then the shot he put on it. Just very, very impressive from Trimmingham. And honestly, he's been very impressive overall in that in that center forward role. Yeah. Like it, it it honestly it, it gives Carl Craig something to think about in terms of how he's gonna approach these. I mean, the, the officiating problems. Yeah. Again, we I feel like we mentioned week in and week out. And yeah. it's obvious to me you think that the officiating would get better as there was more minutes to <laughs> to view. Uh, but it seems like each week we get something worse to to talk about. The center referee is looking in the in the box, right? He's making sure that nobody's mm-hmm. uh, tussling too hard inside the box. 
But there's an assistant referee right there, or supposed to be assistant yeah. referee right there, uh, checking on that and doesn't doesn't see it. And you know, it does that foot change the trajectory of the pass? I don't know, but or does the does the 15 seconds it takes for the assistant referee to stop Vignelles there and, and make him put the ball back in the arc? Does that change the timing of things? Um, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in any case, they, they get that short, that, you know, foot shorter than usual <laughs> corner kick. And Chris Cole um, comes in. He wasn't really marked closely enough. And he just out jumped Derek Gebhard for the header to score. But uh, it comes off of a corner kick that was clearly illegal but yeah very frustrating again it goes against forward madison which is frustrating in itself i mm-hmm. mean but at the same at the same time it is such a reoccurring theme we've talked to benny delgado about it mm-hmm. uh, who is kind of the the front facing referee liaison for forward madison yep. um and he's kind of told us that it's, it's not necessarily the referee's fault because they're pulling in essentially part-time referees like guys who who have careers elsewhere who refereeing is kind of their second thing or maybe it's a it's a dream job that they want to be full-time in moving forward but you know that that impacts the amount of training that they have the amount of resources that they have to do the job correctly Uh, you know you're you're putting inexperienced officials on the field in a professional environment in a league where the pace is getting better the the quality of play is getting better the physicality is is increasing if you don't have uh, an experienced official on the field there are you you see what we get week in and week out so i think it's on the governing body to say okay we need to maybe change how we look at this and although it might not be as cost effective it will help the product on the field if we can you know, hire more full-time referees for the lower divisions. That's to me one thing that they need to look yeah. at this offseason, like like ASAP, like should be priority one because it is, I mean, it's not just forward Madison that's getting screwed either. You've seen in other matches no. where the officiating has been less than stellar, less than up to par, less than acceptable. It's, and we get on this, we get on the soapbox every week, Rob, but my <laughs> goodness, I mean, when when is enough enough at this point? Because it, it, it's impacting, it's impacting the game. Like it's directly well, impacting the game. And USL, the way USL is going, we talked, you know, we talked with um uh Jeff Reeder early this year about all the their big, big plans for a league cup and a and a promotion relegation and shifting the uh schedule to match the European schedule. And this this league obviously wants to be taken seriously. But how are you, how what is your legitimacy like if your officiating is so laughable? You know, I think you got to like you're right. I think it's got to be a priority in this in the off season to figure this out because. And the other thing Benny said that uh, a couple weeks ago that surprised me a little bit is that some of these officials that are refing a game on a Saturday night, it's like their second or third game of the day. Yeah, because they've been doing college games or or you know high level youth games or something, and like that's just, I just that doesn't seem acceptable to me. But anyway, no. it is what it is, and it's a it's an equalizer uh, for. For Richmond, and um, you know, right before halftime, which um, uh, no, that wasn't that was earlier. The the the, the second goal, the one that put oh Richmond gosh, ahead, came just before halftime. Oh my goodness, uh, yeah, it was kind of it was like one of those things. Like if you're doing if you're good, you're going to be lucky. 
<laughs> and mm-hmm. they got Richmond got really lucky in this one. Um, I mean, Jonathan Bolaños did get a step on Christian Diaz in the box and got a shot off from very close range, but Brino made a great save. Uh, but who else? But Emiliano Trezaghi is right there uh, to clean up the rebound, but he doesn't get a good strike on it, right? He just kind of like taps it. Just yeah, like yeah. off his It was like an accidental, yeah, it was like an accidental deflection that popped up in the air and had enough spin on it that it spun right in. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what do you do, you know? Yeah, but that's but again, your hands up in it. But that's but then that's the way Madison got its second goal, kind of not it wasn't quite as you know lucky as that, but um, but it's a it's a true thing that if you put the ball in a dangerous area, you don't know what's going to happen. And that's honestly this the the tone and the the, the tenor of the match was it's like, hey, both teams were just kind of going balls to the wall, hyper aggressive. Let's 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 get towards the box and let's see what happens. We saw two yeah. goals that basically had sort of mindset behind it. Like, we're just going to get in a dangerous area and let us just sort of play itself out. Mm-hmm. And you saw that with, with Richmond's goal right before halftime. And then you saw it with, uh, with Madison's equalizer early in, early in. Where yes. And I have to say. Pinball type situation. Yeah. I was really impressed with the way they came out in the second half. Because to give up a goal like that right at the end of the first half. Um could have been really dispiriting considering the way things have gone lately. So you go, not only, so you take the lead, give up an equalizer, you get up, you give up a, another one, go behind. It'd be easy to come out really sluggish in the second half, right. And kind of throw in the towel, but they did not. They, they threw, they showed a lot of um, resolve and resiliency and they came forward flying, you know, in the two minutes into the second half. Um, it, it does, it goes down as an own goal, but let's be realistic. It was going to score. Like Madison was going to score there. Derek Gebhard um, goes one on one with Chris Cole and just beats him, just straight up beats him to the byline and puts in a nice low driven cross. And uh, Esteban Calvo gets a touch, gets a toe to it, right? And it bounces in. Unlucky for him. But if he doesn't do that, Akira Fitzgerald is already flat on his back, right? The Richmond goalkeeper is flat on his yeah. back. And Sierkowski, Trimmingham, and Tyler Allen are all standing there in the six-yard box waiting for the ball to come to them. So one of those three was going to score that ball if uh, Esteban Calvo did not accidentally get a touch to it. So we'll take it. It counts. We'll take it. It's not a – calling it an own goal in no way denigrates the quality of that goal because it was really nice build-up, really good attack, really good aggressiveness, and really good bounce back to equalize. Um, And then, you know, the rest of of the half was – Back and forth and exciting and nail biting. Just <laughs> uh, I put another one in, put it one off the crossbar in the 81st minute that would have given Madison the lead and maybe the win. Uh, but then, right at the end, again, a late defensive lapse uh, cost Madison some points. Yeah, stop me if you've heard that one before. Um, yeah, <laughs> another gut wrenching late giveaway for, for Madison. Yeah, man. And obviously something that that does need to be looked at. I mean, we, we, we know the quality this team has. We know the players this team has. But, you know, it, at some point, it, it becomes it becomes a pattern, right? Yeah. Um, you can't get unlucky that times. <laughs> no, that's true. That's definitely true. It, it, there's something there in terms of if the, you know, there's, there's defense is stretched too thin throughout the match. They just don't have love at the end. It's the personnel mm-hmm. issue in terms of it's there, there's a whole host of, of things that, that it could be that are leading to this. 
but I mean, you have to you have to hold down the fort late in the match. Even yeah. if you're not on the bus and you are pushing for the like Madison usually does, mm-hmm. you need to have sort of that 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 say brick wall, but you need to batten down the back line and either hold a drop or hold a lead. Yeah. Everybody does it. Like all, yep. all good teams have, have numerous matches where they need to do that at the end. And that is something Madison has, has been very poor at this season. So something they really need to look at in the off season. And if it's, if it's new personnel, if it's a new strategy for the end of the match, whatever yeah. it is, they need to take a good hard look at what's going wrong here and make the proper mm-hmm. adjustments. And I don't think it, it's not heavy legs. You know what I mean? It's not tired legs. It was, it's a mental breakdown. And and what happens is Matthew Baldock, uh, gets to the corner. He, he's not really challenged. Eric Leonard, who we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later, he had a monster night, but he did not attack the ball. Really, he was kind of playing a containment role, which is, you know, that, that's an, a legitimate decision to make. He's looking behind him. He's directing traffic. Uh, he's letting Baldock get down to the corner, but being in the way, trying to be in the way so that he can't make a cross. He does make the cross. Um, <clears throat> Alex Anderson is crashing to the near post. Right and is looking to score at the near post. So Tobrino so comes out to challenge him, and they both miss it, and it squirts all the way through, and it goes right past Cyrus Rad, and who's standing at the far post but Emiliano Trezaghi. Uh Cyrus Rad is watching the ball and is very surprised to see Trezaghi behind him, <laughs> and then of course Trezaghi, you know, it makes it his credit makes a nice finish. It was not an easy angle to score from. He could have very easily hit that into the side netting. He could have um, put it all the way across. He could have put it over, but he put it in uh, as he always does, and that's his seventeenth of the season, which is the league record. Um, and uh, you know. I understand that that Anderson was was causing a distraction at the near post, and that's what Rad is watching for. That's what Brino is trying to challenge. Um, but if you're Cyrus Rad, you cannot be surprised that there's a guy behind you all by himself. How are you, not, how, how are you not almost just like man working? Just have eyes on a guy like Zagi like well, the entire time. Like there if you're, be if you're the, yeah, if you're the left knowing back, knowing where the man is. Right, exactly. You guys know where he is. And if you're the left back and you see Matthew Baldock coming down the right, you're right. Uh, you have to look up and and back into the left-hand channel to see, just to know who's there. You don't have to go mark him necessarily, but you have to know who's there. You can't be standing there in the middle of the 18-yard box watching and hoping nothing bad happens, <laughs> as Cyrus Red kind of was. It's unfortunate. But – Again, like you say, it's it's a it's a late game, after the 80th minute, mental lapse that takes us from one point to zero. Uh, the overall stats though did reflect the quality of the game. Madison had 54 percent of the possession, 15 shots, four of them on target. Uh, once again, like we had last week, there was kind of a balance. There's eight shots outside the box, seven shots inside the box. So kind of a balance of you know working your way in as well as ripping shots from the from distance, um, you know, and, and a draw that, like you said, that, that last goal, giving up the last goal isn't exactly heartbreaking because a, a draw wasn't going to help you much anyway in terms of the table. But, you know, it's just a bummer. <laughs> and uh, and I just love the resilience that you come off of that really, really, those two back-to-back really frustrating one zero losses and score within eight minutes. Right, you've got this 339 minute scoreless streak. 
that could get that could easily have gone ninety more minutes if their heads weren't on straight. And within the first ten minutes, they've got a goal. So you love to see that. Um, and you know what I was thinking about? Um, what if this losing streak happened at the beginning of the season? And the, that first month of the season that where they were winning all the time was happening now, right? We'd still be out of the playoffs, but we'd feel so much better <laughs> about yeah. things. You know, it's, it's yeah. not because part of, part of what's so frustrating right now is we saw the potential early in the season, right? We saw how good this team can be and, and they're just, it's just not getting put together right now. Uh, if we saw, but if we were felt like, yeah, we're not getting in the playoffs, but at least we're winning right now. Uh, we'd feel a lot better going into the offseason. So I think with three matches to go, um, we've got an opportunity to to get some momentum rolling into this offseason and help the fans feel a little bit better about things, if nothing else, right? Yeah. So, and, and I, I agree with those sentiments. I think you're looking for, and in any case, I think at this point, you're kind of out of the playoff picture for all intents and purposes, and you're just sort of yeah. looking for some some a good run of play. Show us yep. something before the yes. offseason that can get us yep. excited for next year. Right. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. I'm also curious in terms of um, retaining players. I mean, do you think, do you think there are performance, I think a good performance in the last three games here would convince a guy like Derek Ephart to stay. I wonder. Uh, yeah. Does that, I, I, don't, I don't have any insight. I don't have any idea. I don't know how professional lower level footballers think or plan their careers or whatever, but um, it's an interesting question. And I don't think Gebhardt's the only guy maybe having those, those thoughts. Well, think about like an an Aaron Malloy or a Josiah Trimingham or a Jake Keegan. Mm -hmm. Does Jake Keegan want to come back uh, when he's basically kind of lost his starting job, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Well, you think about those guys who we were kind of talking about, like, you know, the couple guys are kind of next level players, including like a Derek Gebhardt. Mm-hmm. What would keep them from in Madison? What would keep them from moving up to USL Championship? Well, it would be if this team was really good. You know, five thousand yeah. people were packing Bree Stevens every time right. they were at home. The attendance has been good, but when you don't win, people are get less interested. That's mm-hmm. just what happens. Yeah, you know. Um, and so because it really hasn't had that mystique or that allure, or that sort of magic this season. I think you could see a couple of those guys like Gebhard and Malloy specifically who could be who who very well could, you know, make and and contribute to a USL championship roster sort of yeah. make those moves in the offseason. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, and I hope I would hope that they that would be able to show something in these last three weeks uh, that would make it enticing to to give it one more try here. Mm-hmm. You know. And we're talking to you, listeners. That that means that part of that is, is trying to create an atmosphere in those last two matches at home uh, yeah. to make those guys want to come back and play here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about just sort of getting out there while you can. We talked about this mm-hmm. a little bit last week. I mean, this is your last yeah. few chances, last couple chances to to get out to Bree Stevens, enjoy it. You know, it's it's that perfect kind of fall weather time too, where mm-hmm. you know you got to bring your sweatshirt and you know enjoy <laughs> enjoy the crisp fall Wisconsin air. Yeah, uh, and and enjoy some Ford Madison soccer while we have it because you know once it's gone doesn't doesn't come back for another six months and we get to <laughs> right? during the long hard winter in the meantime. So 
Yep. Uh, get out there while you can, you know, make it, make it as good as you can, uh, you know, for those last few games, let this team know that, that you appreciate it uh, for sure. All right, Rob, let's go around the league. Yeah, real quick. Um, Tucson falls to North Carolina to nil, partly because they went a man down just 27 minutes in uh, straight red for a studs up challenge. Um, then in the, in the second half, Peter Pearson scores on a corner and then Selmer Mischich converts a penalty just two minutes later. And honestly, the foul that led to that penalty, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, that could have been another red card. Frankly, Tucson was lucky, lucky not to be down to nine after that foul. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> on Saturday, then Toronto gets a big, much needed win for them. Two uh, one over Chattanooga, Paul Rothrock with a brace uh, to get a road win for Toronto to keep them in the hunt for playoffs. Uh, also Saturday, Greenville won over New England, nil. Uh, Alan Gavilanes with the winner on a set piece just before the hour uh, there in Greenville. Omaha hangs four on North Carolina, including three, a hat trick from Whitefish Bay native Evan Conway. Uh, he scored one with his gut uh, that was reminiscent of Giro scoring against El Paso, if everybody if anybody remembers that USL, uh, that US Open Cup <laughs> win a couple years ago. Uh, and it makes you wonder, could could a guy like Evan Conway be lured back to his home state, I wonder, next season? Yeah. Uh, then uh, Tucson, the late game on Saturday night, Tucson gets three uh, over Tormenta with one, and that eliminates Tormenta from the playoffs, even though in the table, Tormenta is still one point ahead of Madison, but they've been eliminated from the playoffs, and Madison has not yet, although if Madison loses to Omaha, uh, on Wednesday, they would be we would be eliminated. But how many times have we looked at you know this you know these scores and see Omaha with three, four, like I know. Seen five a couple times? Like this yep. team, this team can score. This team can can hang some numbers on you. I mean, this yeah. is that, that's that's how they win. You know, and n- nothing against their their defense. I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. a great all around team, front and back. Yeah. but they outscore teams. Like that's how that team wins. And that's unfortunately, that's how we thought this kind of forward Madison season would be too, is, you know, that's, they, that was the really idea before out, the season. We were, supposed to, outscoring. Yep. we were supposed to outscore everybody. Uh, and that's, 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 that's so funny that, and I wonder if that's why Omaha and Madison have actually played the Omaha and Madison games have been pretty close. The two that we've had. Uh, and even the first hour of the one that didn't actually count, I was there, and it was a pretty close match. It was it was one nil at the hour mark, uh, but you know the, the, they both built on the same idea: just run and possess and score as much as you possibly can. Omaha just has been able to do it, whereas Madison has not. All right, Rob, let's get into the shout out here. All right, I'll go first. Uh, my first shout out is to Eric Leonard. An absolute beast in the back. Uh, he had a, uh, including a, a, a clearance off the line just after the hour mark to, to keep uh, Madison in the game. Uh, you know, he, he his traditional position, his natural position is that number six defensive uh, midfielder role. Um, and, and basically Aaron Malloy took over that role uh, in the first week when Eric Leonard got hurt. Uh, and Eric has, has just seamlessly moved to the back line. And especially in this three-five-two that we've been using, uh, it's really, really important. And he was an absolute beast. Uh, and I was shocked that he was robbed. That USL did not put him on Team of the Week this week. He was he was incredible uh, all night in the midfield, making tackles, making really smart tackles on a yellow card most of the night. By the way, 
He got a really cheap, easy yellow card early and stayed in the rest of the match uh, and made really smart, excellent tackles and, and obviously had the assist on Trimingham's goal as well. So did a little bit of everything Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, he, he played really well, as did my first shout-out. So we've already talked about all the reasons why. So I'll just tell you, it's Josiah Trimingham. Uh, love him in the nine role. He plays it well. Uh, really good goal. Yep. I mean, yeah, he was awesome. Outstanding, Josiah. Uh, my second shout-out is our, is our good friend Andrew Schmidt, uh, president of the flock, who uh, is is uh, not going to be running for re-election as president of the flock. He's going to be there banging the drum every week, but he's going to step back from that role. Uh, just, you know, for personal life balance reasons. But in the meantime, <laughs> he's taken out a new thing. Uh, he launched a new Dogma zine, which is uh, it's just a, it's a online and social media fan zine dedicated to Forward Madison. Um, I remember at the toward the end of the 2019 season, uh, he was talking about making a print magazine that would be passed out at games and stuff like that. Um, so this has been an idea for a while. For him, and, and you know, printing is very, very expensive, <laughs> yeah. and, oh my and, and difficult, and it's a difficult thing to pull off. So, uh, you know, he might still be planning to do something like that in the future. But I uh, give him, you know, my hats off to just for just launching this thing online, and he does very insightful and uh, good analysis of the matches, as well as yeah, just sort of the fan experience and the um, talks a little bit about the Henny Derby and how you know why us white folks are welcome to enjoy it, but it's not for us. You know that kind of a nod yeah. to that. So um, good insights for me as I prepare for the pod now <laughs> every week. Yeah, uh, so exactly. Shout out to Andrew for that. All right. My final shout out is to the club and to the flock for working together on the, I think this is only the second. Maybe they, I don't know if, I don't think they did one last year. They might've, but the eruption tour, um, they did this first in 2019. They took a busload of fans and, um, and folks from the front office uh, down to Richmond um, in a like a three day road trip, basically uh, making a few stops along the way, um, making some new friends, having a really good time. Uh, very very cool. Uh, just you know, just to to get together and and support the club that way. Uh, love to love to see it. Uh, here's your full Mingo fun fact for today. Emiliano Trezaghi, like we mentioned, set the scoring record for the league uh, with the 17th goal, the second goal of the night against Madison. So there's your first trivia question. is Who did he break the the, uh, the, the record against is Madison. But he took over the record from a former North Texas player who set the record in 2019. It was not Ricardo Pepe. It was actually Haitian international Ronaldo Damas, who uh, now I, I just I'm saying this as a fun fact because I love keeping up with League One alumni. Um, mm-hmm. Ronaldo Damas had uh, 16 goals in 2019. Took the 2020 season off, as a lot of people did, especially international players did um, because of COVID. But now he's this he spent this season with Orange County in the championship, where he has 13 goals. Uh, with three games left to play, including uh, Wednesday night against my championship club, San Diego Loyal. Uh, so after the Omaha match for Madison, I'm going to switch over and watch Thomas play against my club, San Diego Loyal. If you were on forward Madison Twitter over the weekend, uh, you saw a pretty nice video of Josiah Trimingham's goal there from the sideline. The man 
who shot and produced that video was Mr. Noah Canless, and he joins us today on Talking Flock. Noah, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, just excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you. Um, you know, these sort of like sideline, well-produced kind of highlight videos have been more of a thing here on uh, on social media. Is that kind of something that that you've sort of brought to uh, to Ford Madison in terms of kind of that additional video presence? Is that something that you specialize in? Is that an idea that you sort of brought to the forefront? Talk us through kind of you know how that how how those kind of go from idea to actually getting out there on social media or wherever you guys want to post it. Yeah, of course, man. Um, it wasn't really anything that we kind of like, I came in interviewing saying I wanted to do. Um, it was just something that kind of popped up and we were like, Hey, we can kind of implement this. Maybe let's try it, see how it goes. And I guess people have been liking it. Uh, of course, Will mm-hmm. joined the team not too long ago. So Will's been yeah. a pretty big part of, bringing some good quality video content to to our forward Twitter and Instagram stuff. So um, we kind of look forward to doing uh, that kind of stuff in the future. Um, and it's been kind of like a, a little kind of uh, experimental process going on uh, with the end of the season here. Now, you're a, a player too, right? Uh, you played with Lance and Common over the summer. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. So I played, uh, I played with Lance and Common over the summer. Um, my coach who coached me at Alma for three years uh, and then since moved to Spring Arbor and then uh, now is the head coach at Lansing Common. He called me up one day and asked me if uh, if I'd be willing to move up to Lansing for the summer and, and play in the Midwest Premier League. And of course, I couldn't say no to playing soccer. Mm-hmm. It's the, my <laughs> pride and joy, my love for 18, 19 years of my life. So um, it was it was a life lifetime journey of playing professionally semi-professionally whatever you want to call it yeah um, it came true and uh it was really nice to get back with him and the stuff landing in, in that culture of soccer yeah uh for, for a frame of reference for wisconsin folks the midwest premier league is the same league that milwaukee bavarians play in so just to give people an idea of kind of the level uh you're at and now can you talk us a little bit about the lansing common and the origin of that because I mean, we all remember Lansing Ignite, which is we had this sort of nice little rivalry brewing with them when the first year of USL League One, and then they folded, of course. And then there was this thing on social media that these people were just going to start a new club, and and I would admit to being skeptical and being like, you can't just you know just start a new club like that, you know, just from like a grassroots level. But you did mm-hmm. it, and it worked, and it was and it's awesome, and I love seeing it. So, I mean. Do you have any even sense of that background or were you just like, come on in and play? You know, uh, being in good relationship with the ownership and, and how they run things, it's it's a, an interesting system how they do it. Um, yeah. It's a community-based uh, like ownership. So right. not one mm-hmm. person can make all the decisions to fold or not fold. And um, I think that was the biggest part in building uh, that team in Lansing was there was a bunch of fans that were really passionate about, about this team and about uh, like Ignite. And um, when they folded, it was just like the guy left the soccer and like did it in shambles. And they were like, mm-hmm. well, we love soccer and we want to keep playing and we want to have a team in our, in our city here. Um, and that's kind of where the idea came down and they kind of progressed that into a soccer team and they hired a coach and, 
kind of built it from there. And and so this was the first season, right? The 2021. Yeah. So and, the last and you had a good year. year and you had a good year. Yeah, you ended yeah. up second in the division. Second in the league, uh, only to Detroit city FC. Um, mm-hmm. And that was their two side as well. Um, so mm-hmm. it was, they're, they're a quality team and, and we battled them uh, twice and, on Fourth of July, we we had a win against them, and nice. which the match I scored, mm-hmm. and then my roommate nice. Julian Burge, who I stayed with, scored as well. Awesome. Um, that was probably our our big moment of the season right there. Um, but then we also had a battle at their place, and um, it was it was really fun to to be in a competitive atmosphere like that again after taking a kind of a year off during COVID and and yeah. stuff like that. So uh, well, that's really cool. It's gotta be. Back. Sorry, go ahead, Rob. No, I was gonna say it's got to be really cool to be part of that sort of really grassroots, ground up soccer community. Yeah, I was really right. excited to kind of be that like first inaugural group to kind yeah. of set the set the baseline and the 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 status of like we need this high level. Land. And it was it was really like proud moment from me and a lot of the guys that uh, I mean most of the team was uh, primary Lansing players, so. We're really happy to kind of bring those players in and then a couple of others from different areas around the state. It was it was really cool to kind of be that first organization built on truly Lansing area players. That's awesome. Yeah. Now let's kind of take it back a little bit and talk about kind of your, your overall soccer background, obviously playing for Lansing. I assume soccer has been kind of a big part of your life for a very long time. So give us kind of the cliff notes on kind of how you got introduced to the game and how that kind of progressed to you both playing at a semi-professional level, but then also obviously being involved on the video production side for a pro club like Fort Madison. Sure, sure. Um, so, I mean, Cliff Notes for Soccer was, uh, it was the one sport my dad never played. <laughs> and uh, of course <laughs> I had to choose that sport, right? <laughs> yeah, so, you're rebellious. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so my dad played football and stuff growing up. I tried all those sports and whatnot, but ultimately landing on soccer when I was younger. And uh, it started from the age of four and five. And ever since then, in my 24 years of life, I've been loved soccer and passionate about soccer and all that just kind of compiled itself into uh, needing to stay around the game. So um, I went to Alma College in Michigan. Um, So many of you might not know it. It's a small town just north of Lansing. Uh, and so I went there, I played four years of collegiate soccer uh, in which I had a pretty decent career. Um, and then after college, I was looking to play, um, had a couple of scheduled tryouts and stuff uh, within the lower leagues. And with COVID and stuff, it kind of all got shut down where they were canceling tryouts and you couldn't go on tryout and whatnot. Um, so after that point, I was just like, you know, I'm just gonna kind of let it be. and. Like I said earlier in the pod, uh, coach called me up one day and said, hey, I need a player in Lansing. Can you come play? Um, And that's kind of how I got involved in Lansing Common. But then um, as far as like the video production side, it started out as me loving to make silly GoPro videos with my friends um, in high school. And then it eventually turned into we needed some better camera equipment. So we bought better camera equipment and Mm-hmm. went around and messed around with more better camera equipment. And then uh, it was more like a self-taught journey until I got to college um, in which I was able to take a couple of classes 
I tried to minor in um, some video stuff and some graphics design here and there. Um, but ultimately, a lot of what I know about video and photo and graphics design is pretty much self-taught and kind of fine-tuned with classes in college and stuff. So is college kind of where you took the, you know, the silly GoPro videos and sort of maybe started to develop a little bit more of a professional reel? Because I, I I find it hard to believe that you're showing high school slash early college GoPro videos and like your <laughs> demo that you're showing to Forward Madison. So you know, when did you get into sort of, I mean, did you, were you doing video production while you were playing soccer in college with other sports or with the soccer team? Kind of how did you get involved with doing that in sports specifically? Sure. Um, actually, I didn't really do a whole lot of video production in college and whatnot. I did do a backpack filmmaking class uh, in which I had to go over to Europe and travel through a couple different countries and then nice. uh, kind of make videos throughout that trip. So that was my real like production based uh, like video and photo kind of side of what I was doing. But then uh, in college, I worked with the athletics department and um the sports information side of it so i was doing photography for uh like sports when i could uh, obviously i was mm -hmm. in soccer so when i could i was able to help out with basketball season sometimes lacrosse seasons um <laughs> volleyball and stuff uh here and there so i was able to go do like swimming and a couple other sports uh and that's where i really kind of like took that sports information side uh, because i was interacting with the department head there and he was uh, he was a really good boss and kind of taught me some ropes on how to like kind of write articles for different sports and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that kind of helped me uh, kind of find this job here. Um, I knew I wanted to kind of stay around uh, soccer in the sense, um, whether that be coaching or, or something along the lines of a job uh, with a marketing department or something like that. But um, yeah, I was just surfing. Uh, it's the uh, sports like indeed or i, I don't yeah. know what to call it but yeah. but they had offered a, a position for an internship up here in madison and i was like you know madison's not too far away i could probably swing it and get up there and work an internship whatnot um and so i submitted my application and it looked like they were only taking students so i kind of went out on a limb saying like i wasn't a student here but yeah. you know i, I kind of want to do this internship i'm connected in soccer and i have a little bit of background in photography uh and i'm kind of like a self-taught videographer so that's kind of how i stepped into the role a little bit and then uh, yeah. ever since getting here uh, evan's noticed that like the digital content and that side of stuff is something that i'm not as experienced in but i kind of want to be more experienced in it so he's kind of like um let me into like a little bit of a role in order to do that that's awesome that's how awesome. long how long have you been here how, or how when did you arrive in madison uh, i want to say it was like two three weeks ago that i arrived here in madison oh so um, you're so getting your bearings. yeah so the game against greenville would have been my first game here uh and i moved in that friday before the game Okay, so you've gotten is that you've gotten one game at Bree Stevens and then you've been on the road? Yeah, so one game at Breeze and then a couple of road games in the office and then um just this weekend on the eruption tour with uh with nice. the flock members. Awesome. Did you did you know about the eruption tour before you started or it was like day one like, Oh yeah, by the way, we're going on this like bus tour here in three weeks. <laughs> yeah. <Pack your> stuff. <laughs> don't, don't unpack. You might as well just keep your bags packed because we're heading right back out on the road. Uh, no, I, I actually, 
didn't have a whole lot of ideas of what a eruption tour was or, or whatnot. So it was, <laughs> it was nice of them to let me tag along on the journey. That's awesome. Now, did you, did you have any familiarity with forward Madison? Um, I knew of forward. Uh, it wasn't like something that I was like, Oh, I was looking to play here or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it, it was like, oh, I, I know of forward because there's other lower league soccer teams that I follow mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So yeah. I was just, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like forwards offering, you know, a little media position. And I love social media, so I'm, I'm on it constantly. So it applies to me yeah. perfectly. Now, you've been like connected to or adjacent either in or adjacent to sports. Sounds like basically all your life. So does that. When you're when you're trying to create a, a, a good visual representation of a game or of a moment, <clears throat> is being a player is is being having been a player or being a player really important to that? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I think like when you're involved in soccer, as far as like a player on the pitch, you kind of like know the opportunities of like, oh, somebody's gonna shoot, I need to mm-hmm. like start recording, or somebody's mm-hmm. gonna make like a, a good pass, and you gotta kind of have that knowledge of like the game in order to have that like sixth sense to capture that moment. I, I, so I employ that. The, you don't have like the camera up the entire time filming the whole 90 minutes and just clipping out the highlights. You're, you're, you're no, sort of no. your hand and then you're, you're ready to capture <laughs> the big moments basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it was funny because on that clip um, it was like two seconds earlier that Leonard had made that pass. And I was like, you know, this looks like it's going to be a good pass. And, like, it ended up going right into Trem's feet. And Trem did a wonderful dot job at turning him and, and, and going at goal. Um, so it was lucky that I was there in that perfect position. All the uh-huh. things fell into place. And it was just, like, you know, you talk about, like, a perfect shot or, like, a, a money shot. And, like, you have to have a lot of things line up in order to get that shot and, like, mm-hmm. Luckily for me, everything lined up perfectly that day. Mm-hmm. Well, it also you're helped not, that Jim came right over to you. <laughs> Sorry, all that you were talking. I was just about to say, Rob. I mean, we basically have the same question. You're not sprinting the sidelines like ready for something to happen. Like you're 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 kind of positioned in a way that, like, you know, you kind of got to get lucky in terms of something happening right in front of you, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of like know some areas of the the pitch that are like you can get good shots from because I mean, you see it in sports all the time. You see the photographers sitting down at like court side behind the basket and basketball. And you see like photographers and things like that on the sidelines um, in, in sporting events, especially in soccer is you want to be like top of the 18 usually. And like right on the sideline is usually where you want to be. Um, and that's where you can capture a lot of good goals. It was also pretty lucky that Trimingham knew you were there and came right up to you. Yeah, <laughs> meeting on his that, that was definitely was lucky. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so then, so so this is a dumb question, but technically speaking, how does it work then? How do you get? How does it get from your camera? You go, oh my gosh, I just got the most amazing shot, and then how is that on Twitter? Fifteen minutes later, you know, um, it started with me running around the back end of the goal, uh, and then sprinting up the staircase, uh, and then making my way to the press box. So, um, yeah, so we get up, obviously I, I look at the clip after I'm like, Oh, on my mini screen, I can see that it's, it, it looks to be a good clip. 
yeah. everything seems to be in focus, but you never really know until you get it onto a computer and you can actually ah. see it in like mm -hmm. 1080p. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then once I got it up there, I was like, yeah, this is money. I show Evan <laughs> what it was and he was like, yeah, let's get it out. <laughs> nice. Nice. Lucky, luckily nothing like you're kind of hoping like okay i hope they don't score like another banger like two minutes later because i'm right, right. Trying to get this one highlight. you know yeah exactly. next thing we know goal goal of the year is coming like you know three or yeah, four right. minutes after that and you miss it you're right right exactly well uh no a couple more questions for you we appreciate the time um what's so so you're in this internship how how long because there's only what three games left in the season yeah right so how what's the duration of the internship and how long are you going to be in madison yeah so um the internship started in september and then um it's supposed to carry out in through uh may of 2022 um so i'll be here during the off season uh, i don't know exactly what that entails yet um it's kind of a, a mystery to me so mm -hmm. um we'll see how how that goes and, and then Obviously, I'll be around for the start of of next season as well. So, I'm I'm sure it will entail some very creative uh, player announcement videos. That's kind of their their off season thing. If that's what it is, then I'm <laughs> happy to do it. Have you the, the the last question I'm gonna ask Noah playing off of that? Have you seen the Connor Tobin return announcement video from last off season? No, I actually haven't. Uh, I should probably go okay. back and look Find for it. it, shouldn't I? You need to check that's it cool. out because that—that's the okay. standard, Noah. Uh, that's, I'm gonna the standard. that's the bar. Okay, that's the bar we're gonna to hold go, you to. I'll, I'll have to go check it out then. <laughs> All right, Noah Canlis, the newest uh, video production team member over there at Ford Madison, doing great work already. Uh, check out his video if you haven't of Josiah Trimingham's opening goal from over the weekend there on Twitter. Uh, no, I can't thank you enough for the time, man. Uh, you know, enjoy the rest of the season. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Madison, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. I'll see you Saturday. Thank you guys for having me. All right. A uh, little peek behind the curtain. Some reason our connection issues have been uh, very, very abundant during this episode. So uh, we're <laughs> going to get out of here. Talking. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Rob, for bearing with me. Uh, we'll catch you yeah. next week on Talk Block, the penultimate episode this season yeah. of Talk Block. Coming your way next week. Uh, we'll see you then. Oh, 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 oh,